0: Uh, Lord Jesus, we give you great thanks for your mercy and love and for this time of year uh, to remember uh, what you have done in our lives in coming and dwelling amongst us uh in, in the midst of a very troubled life and world. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, we'll hopefully finish early today. Uh, but I just want to talk about Christmas this morning, uh, past, present, and future, uh, looking to see what the Bible has to say about Christmas, past, present, and future, as well as Christmas past, present, and future uh, for ourselves. Christmas is a real mixed bag. Um, I think that we all know that. And um, there's a big difference between the feel of Christmas as children and then the feel of Christmas as you get into adolescence and and college and then um, definitely a different feel uh, as you get married and, and have kids. And uh, I, I'm not at the place where uh, kids are out of the house, and so I'd be curious to know what Christmas is like then. Um, uh, it's got to be better. Uh, but <laughs> um, I'll tell you, Frank, uh, Frank Limehouse was on the phone with one of his children uh, the other day, and they were sort of going on about what was going on in their life, and Frank was listening like a good dad would and should, and, uh, and finally he interrupted them. And he said, look, I, I wish I could tell you it got better, but it doesn't. Um, <laughs> But hopefully with Christmas it does. Um, So I think that we can all say that Christmas has changed for us over the years and what it means to us and how it feels. And um, the the first Christmas uh, held uh, something remarkable for those who encountered uh, Jesus. So we're going to look at uh, the angel's encounter with the shepherds and then uh, Simeon who saw the baby Jesus and then died, Um, but what Christmas meant for them. But thinking back, what did Christmas look like for us as children? Uh, What what are some words that would describe Christmas when you were a child? Right, excited. that's right. Magical, Magical, right? All, wonderment, uh, absolutely all of those things. Uh, Incredibly high expectations which incredibly were met 100% of the time, (laughs) right? Even if we think back and say, well, gosh, maybe I didn't get um, the Barbie Funhouse, or maybe I didn't get Castle Grayskull for He-Man. It was still a great Christmas, right? It was still a really, really great Christmas. And it's really hard for us to look back on any Christmases as children and think, well, that was a letdown. All right, that that was a that was a big disappointment. Uh, Christmas was always really, really wonderful as children. Children and almost nothing uh, could be done to dent it. Even children uh, who do not have the best upbringing and maybe come from um, a broken home or even uh, a home that is filled with with stress and tumult, uh, psychiatrists will say that uh, those actually tend to be the best memories from their childhood. That even in spite of all the craziness and brokenness in their family, uh, Christmas was really good. And that's one of the few things that they could hold on to in their lives as they move forward uh, that, that was positive and, and great. Uh, and then uh, Christmas comes along as an adolescent and uh, that's when you sort of begin to see Christmas as an obligation. Um, you know your, your your teenage child sits over in the corner with their iPod on and they just sort of look at you and you know They've got to go to all those things. They'd much rather be with their friends uh, rather than um, you know, I, I, feel, I feel that way, but um, <laughs> but you know you'd much rather be with your friends and you're sort of there and it's obligatory and and you still get pretty much everything that you want, but it, the magic starts to ebb a little bit and Even though you're along for the ride, there's still an element of magic. You still really look forward uh, to Christmas and then Christmas as an adult uh, comes around. Now, I think that for the most part, most holidays for adults um, aren't that great. Uh, For instance, one of the best holidays that I can remember from late high school through college and right after college was New Year's Eve. And how great was New Year's Eve? And then something magical happens. You turn 25 and you're like, This stinks, like this is boring. Something happens that all of a sudden New Year's Eve isn't so great uh, anymore. And Christmas for adults quickly becomes uh, obligation. Even my communication with Lauren, my wife, when we talk about Christmas, it's the language of obligation. Uh, When do the Christmas cards get in? Oh, we've got to pick a picture for the Christmas cards. We have to take a picture. We have to pay someone to take a picture for our Christmas card. And then, of course, we use the f- picture that's on the iPhone, because it's better. And, <laughs> uh, you know, things like that. <clears throat> Actually, we use Ginger. We used yours this year. We didn't pay you. <laughs> 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 so. So there's uh, all All of a sudden there's a bill. Okay, so well, (laughs) well you know what I mean. Um, And even I mean. More so now, all of a sudden. Before, when you were kids, we used to get the Sears catalog, you know, the J.C. catalog, and and it would just get dog-eared because, and we would circle what we wanted. And now those don't exist anymore, I don't think. Um, so what do your kids sit on at the kitchen table? I, I guess phone books, but even they're smaller. But anyway, um, <coughs> excuse me. And you didn't have to ask children to do a list; they just did. But now that we're older, my family and in-laws <coughs> will say, "Well, what do you want for Christmas?" And I think, ugh. I don't know. And so, <coughs> excuse me, Amazon has these wish lists that you can do very convenient. You put it in your toolbar, so if you see something that you want, you just click the toolbar and it adds it to the wish list. And I did that for a while, but here's what I found. I'd say, "What do you want?" And I would say, "Well, look at my Amazon <laughs> wish list." And then they wouldn't get me what I wanted on my wish list. <laughs> right. And so what it did is it created an expectation that I would get something that I wanted, and then they would ask about it. So the expectation was increased even more, and then they, they wouldn't get it for me. Or, at my age, I get what I call 75% gifts that are, are pretty good but they're not exactly what I wanted. <laughs> um, you know, it's something like I wanted a certain, uh, you know, nice bag from Orvis and, uh, and have it monogrammed, and instead I got um, a, a different one and it wasn't monogrammed, and I thought, well, that's, that's kind of nice, but not exactly what I wanted. <laughs> um, um, so, but I'm grateful. And uh, and so um, and so finally, I, I've just gotten to the point. Uh, I use, there's a song by Randy Newman uh, that I used to find very—it's very catchy, but it's very offensive. And he would say things like, "I, I don't love my mama," uh, I, you know, "I don't love this person." I don't—it's it, money that I love. And and I used to think, well, that is such a shallow song. And then Christmas rolls around, and I'm just like, just give me cash. <laughs> <I just clears throat> you think it's impersonal. I think it's great. Just give me money. Um, in fact. Uh, I, I feel that way in life. When I was at my former parish, uh, the rector called me in and he said, Andrew, you've been working so hard, and it was around Christmas time, and so I guess he thought this would double as a gift. That's a bad idea. (laughs) And and he said, you know, um, you've been working very hard on here, so I want to to give you a sort of a, a promotion. And I said, a sort of promotion? What is that? And he said, well, you're the assistant rector right now. I'm going to make you the associate rector. Well, we already had an associate rector and I thought, okay. And, uh, and the nameplates changed and all that and then I looked at my new nameplate and it said associate rector and then I walked in the hall and the guy who was the associate, it now said senior associate rector. <laughs> so I went to the rector and I said, how much did it cost to change those plates? And he said about $40. I said, just give me the cash next time, right? <laughs> just give me the $40. Don't that, that means absolutely nothing. So I've gotten really, um, really shallow um, at Christmas. And uh, you know those not quite what you wanted gifts, there's always Mountain Brook trading. and uh, So you can just put it up there. Um, by the way, I have some golf clubs there if you're interested. And, um, and yet all of us as, a, as adults, there's a real, I always feel this way as Christmas gets closer, I try really hard to capture the magic of Christmas. I, 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 there is still this sense of expectation and I really want to experience Christmas as I did as a child, and so oftentimes I'll try to do that through my own children, uh, to try to live vicariously, emotionally uh, through them. Um, I uh, am amazed that even though my expectations are high as an adult, where they're never met, uh, again, as children, although expectations were high, they were always met, and yet, um, as a child, I, I think that I understood and experience contentment in a way that I don't now. I was content uh, as a child, even though, again, looking back, I was always content with Christmas, and even though expectations were high, they were met, but that didn't necessarily mean that I got what I wanted. Right? Because let's face it, I mean, Christmas really has become uh, about gifts, and so I've been thinking lately about why then was Christmas so special for me uh, as a child? And um, because looking back, uh, there were some Christmases where I thought, you know, it wasn't as good as I thought it was. Right, uh, I look back, and now I was—we've been moving uh, this week, and I don't know about y'all, but when you start moving, I'm the worst at packing boxes because what happens is I open up a box, and I'm like, oh, "That's where that is," and then you know I take it out and I start looking through pictures, and it's like that scene from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation where he's watching the home movies in the attic, and and I'm 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 weeping, and Lauren's, are you working up there? Yes. Oh. <laughs> You know, and um, and I'm not, uh, but I'm looking at these pictures, and there were a lot of Christmas photos in there, and I, I looked incredibly happy, but looking back on that time, I realized that th- that actually was not a good time uh, for my family, and yet there I was, uh, incredibly uh, content, and yet looking back, I knew that it wasn't as good uh, as I as I thought it was, and so what was it about Christmas uh, that made it so great? And I think that what made it so great was that um, uh, I knew at Christmas uh, that I was that I was loved, that I was loved, and and, and especially in those bad times. I think what Christmas. Was why it was so special, is because even in the midst of the brokenness that was my family at the time, um, and, and still is, uh, that, that I felt incredibly loved and Christmas was like that carved out time of year uh, where I felt that. And um, when, um, with our kids, uh, I think Craig Smalley said it very well where he, he, this morning in a sermon where he said, you know, some people are just born on third base. Uh, and and I think that that's that's true of of my children in a lot of ways. Uh, but um, when it comes, you know, we've got Elf on the Shelf. I don't even want to get into that thing. <laughs> um, I hate him. Her, sorry, Francis. I don't like her. Um, I think I think it's it's it the, the it makes it sound like the Elf and you know about Elf where the Elf like watches the kids and every night. They fly back to the North Pole, and they report to Santa. Sometimes they cause some mischief in the house. And, um, and then if you've been good, they move to a different position in the house. The kids wake up in the morning looking for the elf. (coughs) I don't like it because it makes the elf in charge. Two, it's kind of creepy. There's an elf alive in the house, um, (laughs) and it's an elf. Who knows what it's up to? And, uh, and, and it's sort of like the undercover secret service for Santa. And so I don't like the elf. Uh, that goes to the Easter Bunny too. A six-foot Easter Bunny running around in your house? That's crazy. Uh, and if you've ever seen them at Chick-fil-A, they're always kind of dirty and not quite right. And <laughs> <laughs> so I can do without the Easter Bunny, I can do without the Elf on the Shelf, but I do like Santa Claus. I do like Santa Claus. Uh, and in spite of what they say, even as a kid, you know, he knows who's been bad or good. Uh, he's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or nice, Santa Claus is coming hand. Because here's the thing about Santa Claus, and I wrote a word for the adventure about this. Lily was in the back seat, uh, might as well name my children. Uh, Lily was in the back seat, and uh, Mary Cabell was in the middle seat, and she was talking about all the things that she wanted for Christmas, and she was rattling them off. And when she finally finished, Lily spoke and she goes, Mary Cabell, I got a funny feeling about Christmas this year. And uh, and I looked in the rear mirror and I said, "Why is that?" And I thought it was because of the move, and she was maybe afraid Santa wouldn't know or we he wouldn't get the change of address and, and things like that. And um, and she and she said, "Uh, you know, I don't think that we're going to get any presents this year because we've been pretty bad." <laughs> I let that one hang in the air. <coughs> and um, and I didn't I didn't try to, I didn't want to correct her because she's right. They've been terrible. Um, <laughs> and um. For me as a kid, I believed in Christmas karma. I thought you can be pretty rotten for most of the year, and then two weeks leading up to Christmas, that's when you're good, and you just hope that's when Santa's looking. And, and it's sort of a hedge your bet sort of thing. She's the opposite. She thinks, well, I've been bad all year. Viva Las Vegas, baby. <laughs> like, we're making it to, I've already blown it. Let's go for it. But here's the thing. The reason why I didn't correct her is that, and I knew this is like, even though uh, I'm rotten and, and I don't deserve gifts, And I'm holding my breath. We're all a little bit nervous about Santa showing up when we're kids, and even now. Um, But when you wake up and you see those toys there, uh, there's a sense of being overwhelmed because you think, I didn't think that I was gonna get anything, and there it is, right? That's called grace, (laughs) right? I didn't think that I was gonna get anything because I've I've been so rotten, and I know that I've been rotten, and yet uh, there there it is. And so you're grateful just to get anything other than than coal and switches and there is that that's the wonderment that's the sense of awe and Jesus said you have to receive the kingdom of God like a little child that you are actually able to receive a gift that you can receive it in wonder and awe and you can be overwhelmed by the message of Christmas uh, of the little baby in the manger who was the Lord uh, but also in the way that it's manifested through Crazy, overweight, bearded men, um, I'm talking about Kenny Rogers, uh, but uh, Santa Claus uh, going down the chimney, uh, and yet there is a manifestation of grace in the lives uh, as children, <clears throat> and in that region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, "'Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will come to all people. For you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Uh, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, "'Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased.'" When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Uh, when God shows up in the Bible uh, people die all right or or at worst uh, when God's presence is made manifest it's normally not a time uh, of great rejoicing but throughout the whole Bible you hear woe unto me or forbid it Lord Um, and even when God sort of veils himself or reflects his glory in something else like the burning bush with Moses even even the shadow or the reflection of God's glory is so much that that Moses had uh, to sort of it was it was so that, that it, it even uh, burned Moses to the point that when he came down and dwelt amongst the people they they couldn't they couldn't even look at Moses who was simply an aftershock of the reflection of the manifestation of the glory of the Lord right. And uh, so when God, uh, his presence shows up, the, the shepherds are right, whoa, this can't be, this can't be good news. And yet, uh, the first words uh, out of the angel's mouth, uh, be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And during the time of Advent, <clears throat> we hear a lot about the second coming of Jesus, which for most people holds a sense of great dread and foreboding. Right, it, it's Santa Claus is coming to town, and it ain't gonna be pretty, right? I mean, he, he's he's got the list, he's got the the book, and um and if we're all honest with ourselves, we're all on the um, the damned list, <laughs> right? We're all at a place where uh, even worse than Santa Claus, you kind of hope that Santa grades on the curve because you know my neighbor's a whole lot worse than I am, and uh, being so close to me makes me look a little bit better. Um, there actually, there's a great TED talk on. Um, uh, social, uh, uh, this social, sociologist and who does some work in psychiatry as well uh, who says that the best way to make yourself look better is to get a friend who's like an uglier version of you. Um, and actually uh, that there's science behind it uh, but if you're close to me don't, don't be offended. Um, I've not done that. Um, uh, uh, but uh, God doesn't grade on the curve and he sees us as we are and here are these shepherds who are the lowest of the low right shepherding was not a a, a good gig and even to this day uh in uh, israel if you go there shepherds have a terrible terrible reputation and um they they're sort of bandit-like and um you know, there there was, you not only as a shepherd had to worry about uh, wolves and, and sheep wandering off, but you had to worry about people stealing sheep. Uh, and you also were prone to steal sheep. And so, um, here are the lowliest uh, of the low, uh, and the angel appears to them and says, um, uh, for to you this day is born in the city of David a savior, who is Christ uh, the Lord. And uh, their response is to actually leave their flocks and to go to this stable in Bethlehem and behold um, God. And again, I'm not sure what their expectations were, uh, but God comes to us not in um, majesty, uh, not in a great display of triumph, not even in a burning bush uh, where you have to look away, but uh, there's something about a baby that it's hard not to look at a baby. You know, that's probably the only human being on the face of the earth where it's okay to stare at, <laughs> right? It's okay to stare at a baby, and and you just look uh, into a baby's eyes, even if the baby doesn't belong to you, um, and you just behold the baby, and that's how the God of the universe decides to show up—not in great power, but in incredible weakness, uh, in the most vulnerable human manifestation uh, or growth stage uh, throughout our lives, right? You're never more vulnerable uh, than you are as a baby. And here, the lowly shepherds look at this baby who lies in a feeding trough and says, that's that's God. And uh, that is crazy talk. <laughs> uh, that is really, really crazy because uh, most people in the world think that God manifests himself in great power and great triumph and I wouldn't trust any religion that says that God is present in everything uh, I do believe that God is present in everything but here's the footnote is that God his presence is most noted by his absence right so oftentimes God will show up in our lives and it doesn't seem like God is there right doesn't seem like God uh, if I were God I would not be born in a stable illegitimately not a good start right not being born on third base uh, and yet uh, there he is and <laughs> so corporately these shepherds have experienced this amazing intervention in their lives and they go and they behold the baby and their hearts have been immediately changed and they become the first evangelists, and they go out praising God and telling people about this baby born in Bethlehem and I think that that is the magic uh, of Christmas. And in that, the awe and wonderment of getting a gift that you know that you don't deserve deep down inside and waking up on Christmas morning and there under the tree is God, giving himself to us in great humility and great weakness when we knew that as far as we're concerned, and as far as God's concerned, uh, the sleigh should have just passed us by. The sleigh should have just passed us by. And moving forward, I mean, I think that children moving forward are going to have to chain. They're going to have to deal with stuff that we that we've never dealt with. Um, I mean, they'll still have to deal with Mountain Brook Village. But uh, uh, but um, I mean, we all lament. I heard something very funny on Prairie Home Companion a couple weeks ago, where we all lament. Like Christmas getting earlier and earlier and earlier, and I think that it's probably true that our children uh, will have to deal uh with Christmas as as early as Easter. Uh, what will happen is that jesus will be will be crucified on Good Friday and be resurrected as a little baby and <laughs> and then moving forward they'll have to they'll have to deal with that uh, but even in the midst of all of that um What I realize now is that the problems that I struggle with with Christmas, which are my problems, are the good things, or often the good things. And I think that trying to recapture the magic is trying to recreate all those good things that I experienced as a child. And that totally misses uh, the point. And it always becomes a letdown because it doesn't meet expectations. And so it's not formulating uh, the perfect family dinner. It's not putting together uh, the best Christmas card. It's not even getting per- people the best gifts that they could possibly get. It's not me receiving uh, the gifts that I want, even uh, if it is uh, money. But what it is, is it's in fact uh, revisiting uh, the manger and beholding uh, the greatest gift uh, ever given. And so, uh, Christmas future, um, Simeon's last uh, Simeon's last Christmas. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law... Um, that's a nice way of saying circumcision. Uh, he took him up in his arms and blessed God, and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory to thy people and Israel for thy people Israel. And his father and mother marvelled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is spoken against, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. The thoughts out of many hearts, that the thoughts out of many hearts may be revealed. That's a really no one ever said that to my mom when I was born, um, or, or you. That's a really powerful thing that that a sword will pierce through your own soul also, uh, and the, that thoughts out of many hearts. Uh, may be revealed, that here even this child, um, as I look to the future, I pray that um, my voice is like that of Simeon, where as I, I look at him, um, I return in the manger, and, and I behold the Lord Jesus, and I remember what he came uh, to do. The Incarnation uh, is made all the more significant because uh, of Easter morning and it's, it's impossible not to look at Christmas in light of Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter uh, because that is what it's all about, and, um, but this begins uh, that great journey. Um, and it sort of came home for me that um, probably at, at the lowest uh, point in my life, um, that was the loneliest uh, but also the best uh, Christmas ever was I was going through some family stuff and my reaction normally, I don't do this now for my family's sake thankfully, uh, normally if I'm dealing with something I just, I want to be left alone. Uh, So uh, one time I broke up with a girl and I spent a month in the Bahamas. Pretty good idea but it didn't work. Um, (laughs) I got very badly sunburned. Um, um, But I was dealing with some stuff in my family, sort of worst possible scenarios that happened in my last year of college. And um, and so uh, 9-11 had just happened, I was about to graduate, and I thought 9-11's happened, I probably can get some cheap airfares to Arab countries, and I was right. And so uh, I flew with a friend to North Africa, and we went for two weeks out into the Sahara Desert. And I thought, well this will help me get my mind together and things like that. and. And um, I was a believer at the time, and, uh, but there was a part of me that I thought, well, Lord, maybe I'll, I'll find you out in the desert, as if God wasn't in Virginia. Um, but uh, while I was out in the desert, and it was, there was a guy who was from England who was on the trek out into the desert, and uh, we were sitting around a fire, and there were some uh, girls from Indonesia who were there as well, and we were talking about um, why we were there. And the English guy went first and threw a wet blanket on everything and said, I'm here, and he had, I won't try to replicate his voice, but he was the British version of Elmer Fudd. And um, <laughs> <coughs> he's, I'll try, you know, I'm here to get rid of Christmas. And, um, and he said, I'm trying to outrun Christmas. And the other side of the fire, the girls from uh, Indonesia couldn't hear him. And, uh, and so by the time they made it around there, they said why, they were all there. And, um, and I'm there, and I'm thinking, you know, um, Maybe, you know, God, I, where are you in all this? I hope I don't become jaded and cynical like this man. And then the two girls from Indonesia started singing under the stars of the Sahara Desert, uh, Silent Night. Um, much to the consternation of the man who was trying to outrun Christmas. Um, <laughs> let that be a lesson. Um, but uh, but it really, um, there in the midst of, of my brokenness, I thought, well, um, well, isn't that what it's all about? And I wasn't gonna spend Christmas with that, my family that year. And uh, Christmas Eve, I flew back to the United States knowing that I wouldn't be with my family. And um, and there at the airport were some very close friends of mine growing up. And they said, we're here to pick you up. And I said, well, okay. And uh, and I said, well, I have my cart. We already took your car. And uh, they took me to their home, their parents' home. And, uh, and I had the best Christmas. I, I woke up the next morning and they had actually gotten me presents. Under the Christmas tree, and uh, and it was you could tell it was very last minute, uh, but her grandfather was there, who was really great, uh, a great guy, he served uh, during World War II. He's now dead in the Battle of the Bulge, and uh, the gift he gave me was his bayonet uh, that he had and carried across Europe from uh, Normandy all the way to Berlin, and um, and I just sat there and I thought, shoot, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I had nothing. To, to give them uh, some sand from the Sahara Desert if they were interested and um, uh, and I, I was I was left at my heels because I had nothing to give them in return I had no way to reciprocate and uh, and they they gave um, out of love for me like they they, they weren't uh, I had not positioned myself to get anything from them and they knew that they didn't have to do that uh, and and it was at that moment that, that I realized the reason why they did that for me was not because they loved Andrew uh, but because they had been loved by the Lord Jesus and because they loved him that's that's why they did it and so I was grateful and I, I thanked them profusely uh, and I'm forever friends with them uh, but even more than that um, uh, I thank God um, for reminding me that what Christmas is about and the magic of Christmas uh, is about this baby who has come to dwell amongst us even when we didn't deserve it. And probably the most powerful moment was when I was sitting around the tree and we'd all opened up our gifts. And um, even in the midst of that joy, uh, I was remember, reminded of the reality of life, that it's hard and uh I was reminded of the absence of God and what felt to be the absence of God in some situations. And uh, the mom uh, could see that that I was a little bit heartbroken that I couldn't share something like that with my family. Um, And uh, she just uh, looked at me and said, for to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that's what Christmas is about past, present, and future. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming and crashing into this world and dwelling amongst us uh, when you had every right uh, to pass us by. Uh, But you come and dwell amongst us in the dirtiness of a stall, and you yourself get dirty in order to make us clean and acceptable in your sight. Give us grateful hearts, keep us focused on you, uh, and that that joy might be contagious Uh, both now and always, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.